luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power of will, 5% pleasure, 50% pain, and 100% reason to remember the name. Winston 101. This interview is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. I go to the Canadian Brew House all the time to watch my favorite sports because of the atmosphere. With the amount of TVs around, it's impossible to miss a second. The brew house is also the place that they go to on my cheat days. With the flavor of their poutine and burgers, it's always a reward. This interview is brought to you by the Saskatchewan Professional Firefighters Association. The Saskatchewan Professional Firefighters Association established the Saskatchewan Professional Firefighters Burn Fund in 1974. Their main purpose is to raise and distribute funds to help Saskatchewan families of burn patients with treatment, care, and rehabilitation. All funds raised by them stay in this province. As well, they have provided the province's two burn units in Regina and Saskatoon with state-of-the-art equipment and the first hyabaric chamber in Saskatchewan located in Moose Jaw. Through the SPFFA, they have been able to sponsor continuing education programs for nurses and doctors who treat and provide care for burn patients in both of Saskatchewan's burn units. They're also dedicated in providing public education and awareness campaigns for burn safety and prevention. To make a donation, go to their website at www.spffaburnfund.com. My goal is to figure out the tips and tricks of professional football players and also give you a glimpse into their personal and professional lives. In this episode, I talked to Jarius Jackson, a former player with both the NFL and CFL, and currently the offensive coordinator of the BC Lions. Jarius's career started in 2000 when he got drafted to the NFL's Denver Broncos in the seventh round, pick number 214 to be precise. Pro scouts projected that Jarius could develop into a solid quarterback if placed into the right system, and they were right. But not in the NFL. After four years of being the backup in Denver, he was released and pursued the CFL, only to sign with the BC Lions. After eight solid years, he was released and then signed with the Toronto Argonauts, becoming a big part of the Argonauts' 2012 Grey Cup win, collecting his fourth Grey Cup ring and retiring that same year. Jarius wasn't out of football for long, though. He started coaching the next season as a Lions coach, he coached in the CFL for five years and is now back where he started as the Lions offensive coordinator, contributing to the team and helping out their offense. Jarius and I got into a lot of conversations that you have not heard before. We talk about his rituals, his goal to eventually become a head coach, and his training routine. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Hey Jarius, I'm glad we got a chance to sit down and chat. As a young quarterback, I'm very interested to talk to you about your football journey. You have won three Grey Cups as a player and one Grey Cup as a coach. Could you take me back and tell me about them? How were they different? Once you won your first one, was there less pressure in the other ones? And how is it different winning as a coach? Well, I would say the first Grey Cup back in 2006 with the BC Lions. I was one of the uh, backup quarterbacks at the time. You know, like you say, all the great cups are all different. I mean, they all 
um, holds a special place in my heart. Um, you know, the one in 2006, I mean, I had won, you know, championships before in high school and, you know, going to bowl games in college, but this was the first one from a professional uh, level that, you know, w was awesome to get, especially knowing that there were another eight teams in the league at the time. It was a nine-team league because you think, I want to say you still had Ottawa at the time, or it might have been they left after that year. Yeah, it was an awesome feeling. Then, you know, you turn around and uh, come back in 2011. And again, in BC, I think that one holds a very special place because, if I'm not mistaken, we started the year like one in five or one in six, something like that. And then we went on a pretty good run there. And we were able to go from the worst team to basically winning the Grey Cup that year. I ended up leaving BC and going to Toronto in 2012 to go back up Ricky Ray and you know, there was a great team that was assembled over there. And uh, I had a couple options to, you know, attend, you know, one or two different places at the time. I decided to go to Toronto, back him up. And, uh, you know, same thing, a lot of hard work and dedication. And, you know, at the end of it all, we were able to go and, and win the 100 Great Cup, great cup as well. So, I mean, that holds a special place in its own way, way as well, too, right, by being the 100 Great Cup. I go to Edmonton. I retire after that year. And I go back to BC and I coach. And then 2013. and had yeah, an okay season, you know, wasn't one of the best seasons in BC's history. And then I leave and go to uh, Edmonton and i um, there for two years. And, you know, the first time I get to win the Great Cup as a coach, and lo and behold, you know, it was one of the guys in Mike Riley who was in BC with me as well. And, you know, we were able to, so basically we had a great relationship. We knew each other very well. And so uh, we were able to basically, you know, come together as a coach and player and, you know, help lead this team to uh, a, a great cup again, along with, you know, great staff and, and great uh, coaches in other positions as well. So, you know, so now, you know, I'm still with the same staff and now we're on that same journey again in, in regards to, to trying to go win a great cup. So, you know, all four of those are, are totally uh, different feelings, but all of them, you know, hold a special place in my heart. Do you set goals? I do. Of course I do. You got to set short-term goals. You have to set long-term goals. I learned at a young age, you know, you have the ones that are at the, at the you know, the highest level that you want to achieve. But at the same time, you have to set the short term to know that you're constantly working, definitely, you know, getting towards your higher goals. So I definitely set goals. What long term goals do you have? Uh, some, uh, I'll be honest, I'm kind of a superstitious person. So for me, my goals, I'll be honest, I keep kind of keep to myself. But, you know, I mean, I think one that you know, you wouldn't be in this business uh, if, if you didn't want to do it, so to speak. I mean, but it's not for everybody is, you know, to maybe one day become a head coach. Right. Like, you know, I'd like to. But but I know there are steps and levels to that as well. Like, you know, first I need to become an O.C. And then from an O.C., then you become a head coach. You look at Jason Marsh, you look at different coaches. You know, Coach Jones, our head coach, he was D coordinator first. Dave Dickinson. That's just the way, you know, it operates and things roll. So from my standpoint, I think, you know, that's one of my. Definitely long-term goals, but as of right now, I know there's other short-term goals I'm trying to accomplish. How old were you when you set the goal to become a professional football player? I think that came at a very young age. My family, my dad, my uncles, everyone played football growing up. I mean, you know, the kids in the neighborhood, I mean, you hardly see it anymore, but we used to play this game in the South in Mississippi called Pick It Up, Run It. Basically meant every man was for himself. And it was about picking up the ball and trying to run through the other 12, 13, however many kids there were, trying to score a touchdown. If you get tackled, pick it up, throw it back. Next kid tries to pick it up. You know, so I've been around football for a very long time, and I knew this is something that I wanted to 
be a part of my life uh, as long as, you know, I was able to. So who got you into football? I would say my dad, for sure. My dad and, and my uncle, my uncle uh, Patrick and my dad, who I'm a junior. So his name is Jarius as well. When did you realize that you could play professionally? I would say probably in college for sure. Again, you know, as you're coming up, uh, you're playing seventh, eighth grade league. Ninth grade has its own league. You go to high school. And then, you know, once you get to playing at the college level, you know the professional level is, you know, as high as it goes. And if you're already competing at a very high level, at the collegiate level, then, you know, that should give you a boat of confidence that, you know, you could definitely play with the big boys in the professional level. How have your goals changed as you transitioned from being a player to being a coach? I think they just changed because in, uh, a little. I mean, some, I think, remain the same. But, you know, overall, I mean, it's a little bit different when you're playing. You know, you could have, you know, a little bit different goals as far as, you know, achieving a certain amount of yards passing or uh, achieving a certain amount of touchdowns. But, you know, again, like I say, those can't overlap because as a coach, I, I could want those same things for you, even though those may not be your goals as the quarterback. So, uh, you know, some of the goals are the same. And like you say, some of them do change uh, just a little bit. So when did you set the goal to be a coach? I think I've always coached. I mean, if you ask any of the guys that have been around me and, you know, even in my times in B.C., you know, I wasn't always a starter. So uh, when I was, you know, being the backup, I found myself, you know, trying to correct guys that I saw were doing the wrong things in certain plays. And, you know, whether it was Jacques Chapdelaine or, or, or Wally Bueno, uh, none of them never, you know, really stopped me from doing it. They saw I knew what I was talking about. You know, I had a couple guys come up to me a few times as well, you know, when I was at BC and tell me, man, you, you explain it so well to me. Thank you so much. That helped me out, whether it's a receiver or running back or whomever. So, you know, I, I think when I, my time at BC, you know, I think dawned in my head a little bit more, even more so that I could be a coach. But, you know, I knew coming up probably in, in college and high school as well that, I understood football so well that, you know, I, I think that would have been easy for me. And then the thing about it is, like, I mean, I just love being around football. So uh, it doesn't seem like work to me at all to be a coach. Do you meditate? Sometimes I meditate, yes. I, I find myself, I think I, I can meditate even more by, you know, sometimes I just, you know, I pick up, try to pick up the Bible daily and, uh, you know, read passages or whatnot. So to me, that's almost a form of meditation. How has meditation helped you? Uh, it just helps clear your mind, right? Like you, you can be around certain things uh, that you're doing for so long that sometimes meditating or stepping, taking a step back and just getting away and just clearing your mind of everything. Sometimes that helps you just kind of reset the brain and even come up with uh, newer and brighter thoughts. If you could put a message on a fortune cookie, what would it say? Work hard and never give up. You know, I just never quit. Basically, work hard, never quit, never give up. Because basically, you know, good things come to those that work hard. So the, the hard work definitely pays off. What book have you recommended or gifted most often? The, the one that I've been recommending here lately to a few of the coaches, Finding the Winning Edge. Uh, I can't think of the author right now. He's the, he's the coach there at, at Stanford and all that good stuff. And he's the one. There you go. Bill Walsh. I apologize. Bill Walsh, Finding the Winning Edge. That's the book that I find myself picking up uh, more and more. As, as you know, my coaching career kind of progresses. I mean, he was a great coach. He invented the West Coast offense and uh, just some of the ways that he goes about dealing with business and dealing with everyday life. Uh, I think, it, you know, he's definitely a great mentor. What do you like about the book? 
Uh, what do I like about it? That it just goes over all aspects of life. It goes over all aspects of the game and just understanding people, understanding how to deal with people and, and things of that nature. So that's what I that's what I like about it. As a kid playing football on the playground, who would you pretend to be? I think at the time growing up for me, it was like either imitating like some of the same guys that was out at the time, whether it be, you know, Walter Payton or whether it be at the time, I think it was Del Murphy playing for the Atlanta Braves that I got to see all the time growing up in the South. Uh, it just depended on whatever sport was going on at the time, no matter what season it was, whatever sport was in season, that's what we were doing. Did you play any other sports as a kid? Whatever sport was in season. That's what we played. So if it was time for soccer, then we were playing soccer, basketball. You know, I played basketball, played baseball, soccer, football. I mean, you name it, I played it. You know, and then I just, as I got older, I kind of narrowed it down to, you know, just one or two sports because I also ran track as well. So, you know, as I got older, I uh, narrowed it down to pretty much track and football. So as a kid, was football still your favorite sport? Football was still my, my favorite sport, no doubt. I mean, and, and you know, as I grew older, basketball become became another one of my favorite sports. Not necessarily just to play all the time, but also to just sit and watch. Last year was my first year of tackle football, and the coach put his son in at quarterback without any tryouts, so I played linebacker. I was disappointed at the time, but now I realize that it's taught me to understand the defense and has made me a better quarterback. No doubt. Can you tell me about a time when something didn't work out for you, and you were disappointed at the time, but now you're grateful it turned out that way? I would almost say one of the same situations that you went through, except I can't say that I was fully disappointed, but I think it was something that, you know, of course I wish I, I could have been the quarterback, but at the time another guy was the quarterback. But when I finally was able to get in there, you know, because just like yourself, we're moving to linebacker. I did the same thing. I played linebacker on our high school defense for one year, and we were able to win the state championship. And just like yourself, the next year I ended up starting. I was starting at quarterback. My was a junior and senior year. I was starting at quarterback. So now, you know, I got to understand the defense even more because of my opportunity and time to play on defense for that one year. Football and CFL fans are very passionate. Can you tell me about the craziest or cutest fan moment? When I was in college, I think one time a fan came up and they had an infant with them. I mean, I went to University of Notre Dame, so pretty prestigious school. And, you know, it's over like 90,000 fans every game. fan came up one time with their newborn and asked me to sign the newborn baby. And it felt awkward, but I did it. (laughs) (laughs) As a quarterback coach, when you were evaluating a quarterback, what are the critical skills that a quarterback must have to be successful? Well, one for sure, I mean, you've got to be tough-skinned, right? you got to have thick skin in the sense that you can't worry about things that people say or what happens in the game. You have to be able to shake things off move forward uh you know being being a great decision maker right being able to you know analyze the defense see what's going on from your film study you already can tell pre-snap and you know knowing where you're going with the ball you know being accurate with the football you know having anticipation and timings on on throws being able to throw on the move having great pocket presence you know just being a leader i mean the list goes on and on right like you're pretty much the coach on the field you're the general when you're playing quarterback, so you have to be able to gather the guys and they, you have to be a leader and they have to be able to follow you. 
So what are some of the drills that you recommend that can help you with these skills? A lot, a lot of it comes down to foot quickness, uh, using the ladder, using the foot ladder. Or, um, you know, when it comes to throwing, you know, you could do medicine ball workouts and crunches and things of that nature, like your abdomen area and being strong and being flexible. You know, that that definitely helps. But as, as far as your technique and things, you know, using the foot ladder and basically, you know, you need someone to watch you, especially at a young age, to see if you're throwing, you know, mechanically sound, so to speak, because, you know, as you get older, if you develop the wrong technique, then that's something that your body's going to get used to from muscle memory. So it's good to start at a young age as far as, uh, you know, having the proper technique. So I would definitely say, um, you know, some of the tools I'm trying to give you will help you. But at the same time, it's also, also always good to get a uh, like a throwing coach or something. If you were teaching your younger self to be a quarterback, what would you focus on? Watching film even more when I was younger. You know, I think, uh, of course, at the collegiate level, you watch film and, and for sure at the professional level because that's your job at the time. You know, when you're in college, you're still attending class and things of that nature. But I think, you know, I understood the game, you know, so well at the time that, you know, it all almost came easy to me. So, you know, I would watch film, but not at the rate that I did toward the end of my career or even now as a coach. So if I could go back in time and, and redo something, it would be, the time that I spent watching film. Would you do any certain exercises? No, well, I think I I think I did pretty well. You know, coming up, I I didn't train with uh I didn't sit there and train with the guys in my group per se as far as the quarterbacks. I used to train with the defensive guys as far as the linebackers and you know the running backs and things of that nature because you know myself I too also ran the ball a lot. You know, had to take hits and had to be able to drop back so. You know, I tried to bulk up my body as well as, like I was saying earlier, still being flexible and still being able to do all those things that I said a quarterback needs in order to, you know, be a successful quarterback. So what other things would the linebackers and running backs help you with in skills? Well, I'm just saying as far as strength, that's the main thing because, you know, most of the time, most quarterbacks are going to lift light, right? They're more high reps lightweight whereas at least the linebackers running backs things of that nature i know they're at least going to lift heavier weight they're having to run harder and try to make faster times because if we're a quarterback normally you're just taking drops right or every now and again you have to take off and throw on the run and things of that nature but i knew if i was just as strong as they were then if i ever had to run with the ball i could punish them on the receiving end as opposed to me taking a lick just because they're a defensive player what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see in new quarterbacks at the professional level that could be avoided with proper training or guidance? Uh, I see a lot of false steps. Like, uh, you know, a lot of guys are, when they catch the ball in the shotgun, they take like a little hop step and then, you know, get into their drop. Well, that's kind of that's wasted time in motion, right? That's wasted time in motion. That's a half a second or, you know, a tenth of a second, whatever it is, that a ball could be being delivered to a receiver as opposed to, you know, you wasting time in your drop. So that's one of the biggest things that I see. Are there any big mistakes that you had being a quarterback that you had to correct? That was one of them. That was definitely one of them was, you know, taking what we call a crow hop, just taking a little small cheat step in order to get into your drop. That was one of them that I definitely tried to focus on and 
I had a coach at the time, Coach Steph Krupp with the BC Lions, and you know he was the one one he was one of the people that pointed it out to me because just like I was saying before, you know, for guys that want to be a quarterback, then you need to have you know someone, especially at a young age, have someone to show you the ropes on you know the proper mechanics because I thought it was always correct in what I was doing. But he noticed that it wasn't, and so he was able to correct that for me or have me, you know, focus on that every time I dropped back, no matter what it was, you know, in pre-practice, reg- practice, after practice, whatever it was. Beside yourself, which current or past quarterbacks would you recommend young quarterbacks to study or emulate? You got to look at the top guys, your Tom Brady's, Drew Brees, uh, guys like that that are at this day and age. But, you know, for me growing up, you know, I idolized Steve McNair first and foremost. And then I looked at the Joe Montana's and Steve Young's and guys like that who were, you know, if you look at it, most of those guys are mobile quarterbacks as well. You can't forget Peyton Manning. So you can't go wrong trying to emulate any of those guys. In business, decisions are often made because of relationships and not the best decision. How much of the decisions that are made on the football field are about the team relationships and not about the on-field performance that fans don't know about? Every decision is made about the team. I mean, it's no, no one person is bigger than the team. And so it's not about you're not in the business of uh, protecting feelings, so to speak. Right. So in this particular business, it's our job to let you know how you're doing or, you know, if you need to pick it up or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, there you end up having guys getting traded. And, you know, sometimes that can be due to depth of having a lot of, you know, depth at a certain position and you can afford to trade a guy. But, you know, sometimes it comes down to those business decisions that you're that you're speaking about. I have two rituals that I do before a game. I hold mementos in my hand one at a time and visualize the passes that I'm going to make in the game. And on the way to the game, I crank up Bon Jovi's Blood on Blood. It's a song about friends that are like brothers, which is how I feel with my teammates. Do you have any rituals that you do before a game? Well, rituals I do before a game, honestly, I take the same steps as far as, you know, the path that I take going to the field. Uh, I go the same way through the building each and every time to get to to the field. Uh, When I get to the field, I like to, you know, walk the end zone a little bit and uh, and then just getting out there and throwing throwing with the quarterbacks. I mean, I'm still, you know, a fairly young, young coach, so. You know, therefore, you know, it hasn't been too long since I've been retired. So my juices get to flowing just like theirs does prior to a game. So I get out there, I throw with them, I throw pack and go and all the different things with them that I'm able to. And uh, yeah, and that's part of my ritual. I mean, I still have a few other things that I like to do, but, you know, I'll, I'll keep that part of it to myself. How have your rituals changed from being a player to a coach? Just a little, just a little bit. I mean, it just came down to how I put on my suit, what I put on first, you know, which shoe I tied up first or whatever the case may be. Whereas I don't think I'm such a stickler like that now as a coach um, than I was when I was a player, especially when it comes to my clothes. But, uh, you know, a few other things that I'm not speaking about, uh, they kind of remain the same. Now we will get into some rapid fire questions. Okay. What's your morning routine? Wake up, shower, cook breakfast, go to work. What time do you get up? I get up at 5.45. When you hear the word success, who do you think about? Oh, that's a good one. I kind of I thought about myself, to be honest, because I, I don't know, for some reason, you know, from, from where I come from and things that, you know, I grew up around and, 
and you know i'm comfortable in life you know i'm not a rich person but at the same time i'm comfortable in life and i have a great family and i have people that love me and and you know that's what i consider success so i kind of thought about myself well i'm glad you think you're a success thank you what has been your favorite memory as a player my favorite memory as a player is my last one in general is throwing a touchdown to Dontrell Lemon in the Hunters Great Cup and then walking off and walking off into the sunset and retiring. Well, Jarius, I want to thank you for your time. Where's the best place for people to get a hold of you? Are you on Twitter? Uh, nope, I'm not on any social media, so I would say probably just my email uh, about work or my phone. That's pretty. That's what I do. I'm old school, man. I just I, I talk, text, and email. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you. You good, Winston? Yeah, yeah, I'm just turning off the thing. Okay, well, I hope you edit that to make me sound awesome, man. <laughs> you, sound, you sound good, my brother. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks. All right. See ya. Ha- have a good All rest right. of the bye week. All right, thank you so much, Winston. You take care. You too.